Welcome to the sermon podcast of Gamble Street Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Gamble Street Baptist Church has been sharing the gospel for over 100 years. This podcast includes sermons from our traditional Sunday morning service and our contemporary services on Sunday evenings. We hope God speaks to you through this sermon. Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for leading us in worship this morning. I'd ask if you would turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. My favorite Christmas movie is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Because for all of my adult life, I've empathized with the Grinch at the beginning of the story. If you know the story, you know he didn't understand Christmas. All he knew about Christmas that all the who's down in Whoville, when Christmas time rolled around, they started to make a lot of noise. And all he wanted was a little bit of peace. And you know, sometimes that drives us to do crazy things when we just want a little bit of peace. So he decided he was going to steal Christmas. And I understand his motives, especially after the morning that we had trying to get here this morning, and some of you know what I'm talking about. He simply wanted some peace. But it seems to me that the holidays oftentimes bring a lot of additional stress. You can see that you have to make time to go see all your family. And then when you get married, you have to make time to go see not only all your family, but all your wife's family as well. And then you have kids and start your siblings start having kids and everything just starts to get a little more complicated. But you can't schedule too much time with one side of the family and not enough time with the other side of the family. You have to find a right balance. You have to make sure that you get the right number of gifts for the right number of people and the right number of times that you're going to play Dirty Santa. We call this the commercialization of Christmas. And I think this is what the Grinch didn't like. He didn't like all the extra Stuff For once he learned what Christmas was truly about, it says that his heart grew three sizes that day. So the Grinch wasn't against Christmas, but against all the extra stuff. And that's something I can get behind. Because what I think the world wants, what I think the world needs, is peace. The world longs for the coming of peace. People don't like conflict. They don't like stress. It does all sorts of crazy things to the body. But last week and earlier today, we read from Isaiah chapter 9. And in Isaiah chapter 9, it says that Jesus would be called the Prince of Peace. See, peace can only be found in Jesus. And then as his church, we are called to bring a foretaste of the Prince of Peace salvation into our areas of influence. We are called to be his army who is proclaiming the gospel of peace to a world that is lacking peace. Just as the shepherds, the angels sang to the shepherds all those years ago in a land far away. So this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. I know your worship guide says Luke chapter 3, and you know sometimes you just hit the wrong button on the key. And so... It's actually Luke chapter 2, but we're going to look at this, and we looked at it a little bit last week with, Dr., with, uh, with Clyde, and, but we're going to look at it more in depth this week. Luke chapter 2, and in just a moment, we're going to start reading in verse number 8. But as we do so, this is a familiar story to us. Probably many of you, I know our family reads it every year on Christmas Day. 
We read it, we become so familiar with it. But as we do so, I want us to really think through this story, try to put yourself in the the shoes of what's going on as we read this story. Look with me, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Scripture says, And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Let's stop there because I think there's something significant here. Because we, we sing songs like Silent Night. And I find that song to be kind of ironic because I think of how the night was probably not silent, probably was not peaceful because of what is going on in this time. The peace of the night, in fact, we are going to find is broken. And think about it, the whole story of the birth of Jesus is all about the chaotic stress of the time. What was going on in the background? Caesar Augustus had required that all the people in the Roman Empire would go back to their hometown. There would be a census taken, which is always a fun time. The people of the empire were required to uproot their lives, to go back to wherever they were from. That doesn't sound like a time of peace. That sounds like a time of chaos. And in fact, we find that Joseph had to transport his very pregnant wife, Mary, back from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be registered. And that was a trip of about 90 miles that they made, probably with him walking and she on the back of a donkey. Now think about modern times. We don't travel on the back of donkeys very often, if at all. But we've become an increasingly mobile people. We travel, we go do things. We often travel more than 90 miles at a time. But, you know, we have modern conveniences, right? We get to ride in a comfortable car, air conditioning or heat for whichever is needed. But even with all those conveniences, it's not fun to travel with a wife that's eight or nine months pregnant. It's not fun to travel with young children. But here they are. We have church members that are preparing to travel several hundreds of miles to go see family for the Christmas holidays. But can you imagine all of the stress while pregnant and riding a donkey instead of traveling in your comfortable car? But when they arrive in Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, what do they find? There's a lack. They can't find a place to stay. You know, most of us, we can go and get a hotel room pretty easily, or we can go stay with our family or friends. But they had nothing. No available inn. And so the time came that Mary was to give birth, and they couldn't find a place, so she gave birth in a cattle stall. And they laid the baby Jesus in a feeding trough. That night was not silent. There was all kinds of conflict going on. And then in addition to that, the animals were there. They were in a barn And animals don't know to keep quiet, so they're making all their sounds. There's the sounds of a woman screaming in labor pains. 
And then there's the sound of a baby crying for the first time. Yet in, this, in the town, there's all this crazy that's going on. All this noise. But then we find our section of scripture that we just read. You go out to the shepherds who are out watching their flocks at night. Everything's quiet. Everything's peaceful. The only sound is the occasional bleeding of a sheep. It reminds me of a time when, uh, when I was younger. I, I pictured this when I think of this story. I would go out and, and do trail rides with my horse, and we went out and rode up into the Arbuckle Mountains one time. And we were staying overnight, and we were in this valley, and where we were located, there was just absolutely no wind. And this has been probably the only time, having grown up in Oklahoma and then moving to Texas, that there's ever been no wind. So we lit a campfire, and we were actually able to watch the smoke just drift straight up into the sky. We could all sit around it without it blowing the smoke into our faces. So the only sound that we had was the conversation that we were having, the crackling of the campfire, the, the crickets that were chirping. Our horses were tied to some trees near us, so occasionally you'd hear them as they shifted and pulled against the ropes. It was so peaceful. And that's what I picture when I am thinking here of the shepherds watching their flocks at night. So just imagine the great disruption that takes place when all of a sudden there's a bright light shining around them and an angel stands before them. You ever have that moment where you're doing something and all of a sudden somebody just pops out in front of you? You just kind of scream, right? You have no reaction except for, ah! And so that's what I'm picturing is going on here. They're, everything's peaceful. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a bright light. The angel's standing there. And the Bible says clearly that they react in fear. It says they were horribly afraid. But then the angel speaks to them this great message where he tells them of a deliverer of peace. Look with me at the next verse. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So first we saw the disruption of peace. Now we see the proclamation of the deliverer of peace. For the angels tell them that they had good news of great joy. The word that Luke used here is the same word from which we get our term evangelism. The good news. Evangelism is simply telling the good news. So here the angel begins to evangelize to the shepherds. He gives a great example of how to share the good news of Jesus. And we must share the good news of the love, the joy, and the peace that Jesus brings. And there's a world out there that needs to hear it. The angels made it clear that the message was not just for them, though. Listen to this great message I have for you that is for all the people. It would be good news for everyone. The gospel message brings great joy. 
And it's not just for a select few to hear. It's not just for those shepherds. It wasn't just for the people of Israel. It's not just for the church. But it's good news for everyone. So what is this good news? Well, the angel speaks of Jesus using three terms that I think are significant here. The first is that Jesus is a Savior. It says, Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. Jesus is the Savior who came to redeem mankind from the curse of sin and to deliver us from the wrath of God. But not everyone is aware even of this need. In fact, there's a story of a man who was in a hospital and he was close to death. And a minister came to see this man and asked him, have you made your peace with God? And the man's response was, I didn't even know we had ever quarreled. And we laugh, but the reality is there are a lot like that man. They're not even aware that they're in rebellion against God because they have been so entrenched in their sinful nature. They're facing eternal torment because they're against God and they don't even know it. But Genesis records that Adam and Eve, the first humans, they rebelled against mankind, or sorry, rebelled against God's command, and they brought mankind a nature of rebellion against God. We all choose to fight against God, to not worship him as we should, to not follow his commands, but to go and to live our own way. They brought upon mankind a sinful nature that every Man, every woman, every boy, every girl lives under God's holy wrath. But we are in need of peace with God. And the angel says Jesus was born to bring that peace. Scripture says that he is the prince of peace. And he came to live a life of holiness as the perfect man so that he could present himself as holy. A sin offering on behalf of all of fallen humanity. The Bible tells us that Jesus took the sin of all humanity upon himself when he died on a Roman cross. He was the atoning sacrifice that took the wrath of God upon himself that was intended for us so that we might be saved. The Bible teaches that those who are without Christ, they're in war with God. They're hostile toward him. And the only way to know the peace of God is to know his son and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. His son that was born that night in the city of Bethlehem. The angel didn't stop there. For he said, not only is he a savior, but he is Christ. Now the word Christ is the term comes from the term Messiah. Messiah means anointed one, which is a term that was normally used for the king of Israel. See, Jesus didn't just come to die as a sacrifice for mankind, but he came to establish a kingdom over which he would rule. The Jews waited for a descendant from David who would rule over God's people forever. That's what the scriptures had prophesied. And Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, was born in the city of David. Why? Because both of his 
parents, his physical parents, were descendants of King David. In the Gospel of Matthew, we find that Joseph's lineage is traced back to David. And Joseph wasn't his biological father, but he was Jesus' legal father. And so as far as a legal concern, Jesus is the son of David. But Luke records for us Mary's lineage, and he too traces her back to David. So Jesus is both legally and biologically descended from David. And in fact, 17 verses in the New Testament describe Jesus as the son of David. But the title son of David is more than just a statement of his genealogy. It refers to his status as the one who would deliver his people. In the Gospels, whenever someone refers to Jesus as son of David, it's a statement of faith. I believe that you are the Lord, the Messiah, whom we have waited upon. And in Mark's Gospel, Jesus poses this question to the Pharisees. Mark chapter 12 says, While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he asked, How can the scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself says by his Holy Spirit, The Lord declared to my Lord... Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? And the large crowd was listening to him with delight, but the Pharisees did not know how to answer the question. What he means when he says this is that he, Jesus, the descendant of David, is greater than David. For here he points to his divine nature. He says, I'm greater than David because I created David. Revelation 22, I, Jesus, have sent my angels to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and I am the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. Only the Son of God, incarnate in humanity, could make such a claim. Jesus is the son of David, whom was prophesied in the Old Testament, but he is still more than that. The angel said, not only is he a savior, who is Christ, but notice those last two words, Christ the Lord. The final term is the Lord. And the term Lord can, has been used in various contexts. It can be a, simply mean a person who has authority over another, such as a slave owner has authority over his slaves. It could mean one to whom another submits, such as the, the husband and the wife, where you know Abraham's wife Sarah would call him Lord. And so we see it in various uses, but most of the time, the way the term Lord is used by the Jews was to speak of Yahweh. In fact, they wouldn't use the term Yahweh. They would use Adonai. But let's take a look at this word here. Who is calling Jesus the Lord? Was it a man? Was it a woman? No. It was an angel who called him the Lord. And to whom would an angel submit? Only to God. So the great miracle of Christmas is that Jesus, God himself, took on flesh. He had a physical bodily form, and although he was born of Mary, he didn't stop being God. 
In fact, John chapter 1 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, this statement is the great test of orthodoxy. The statement that Jesus has two natures, that He is both divine and human. To claim otherwise is to reject what the Scriptures plainly and clearly say. In fact, 2 John verse 7, many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. See, God can never stop being God because he is immutable. God is infinite. He does not change. But when God took on flesh as the Son, he did not cease being God, but rather the eternal being took on the bodily nature. He added to his substance the nature of humanity. And the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas time means that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. So the angel's proclamation to the shepherds tells us that Jesus is not only the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world, but that he is also the Messiah who's going to rule for all eternity. But more importantly, he is Jesus, God in the flesh, the Emmanuel, God with us. God himself initiated this plan to bring peace to his people. And he invites us through his nature to come and be with him. He initiated this plan for peace to come live among us, to be one of us, to teach us, to die for us, and then to be resurrected from the dead for us. See, God is the author of all human peace. And therefore, look at what happens in the next couple of verses. Verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Your version may say on whom his favor rests. See, if the shepherds thought that the silent night had been disrupted by the appearance of one angel, what do you think happened when all of a sudden a great host of angels appeared? The whole army of angels. And yes, I said army. The translation that I've just read from calls them the heavenly hosts. But the phrase refers to the army of angels. God's army of angels showed up to proclaim the peace that God had brought. And when I think of this, I think of the, the pictures that I see from the end of World War II. People celebrating the great peace that comes at the end of this great war. And one of the most iconic is that of a sailor who is kissing a woman in the middle of the street. And the people around are filled with joy celebrating the end of the war. And when I think of this army coming and proclaiming, the angelic army proclaiming the peace of God, this is what I'm picturing. This great celebration, the end of hostilities has come. For Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is born. That World War II ending celebration has nothing on the celebration of the hosts, though. 
Notice especially what they're singing here. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people whom he favors. See, the key to peace is keeping together what the angels kept together. They said, glory to God, peace to us. If you say, I don't have any interest in, I don't have any love for, I don't have any admiration of or treasuring of God, I just want his peace, then you won't get it. The only way that you have peace is to have those two combined. If you separate the glory of God, you will not get the peace of God. The angels won't let you. God won't let you. For God's purpose is to give you peace, and he does that by you being able through Christ and through the power of the Spirit to say glory to God above all. God's purpose is to be the most glorious person in your life. And only a heart that's bent on showing the glory of God will know the peace of God. Peace in the Bible most commonly relates to the idea of love and loyalty with God or some other person. Uh, the people of Israel were living at this time under the Pax Romana, the great Roman peace. Yet, they knew not peace. For what they needed was a savior. There could be no peace until the Prince of Peace came. The King James Version translation seems to parallel this idea of goodwill toward men with peace on earth. But later translations seem to point more toward the true language that we find in the Greek, and that is that God's peace is toward those on whom his favor rests. And Christmas peace begins with peace with God, and that peace results only from being a disciple of his son Jesus, a disciple of Christ. The messianic peace brings a ceasing of hostilities between man and God. He brings a reconciled relationship with God and brings a new creation. In fact, Eliot Rizema said this, When the newborn king made his appearance, the swaddling band with which he was wrapped up was the white flag of peace. That manger was the place where the treaty was signed, whereby warfare should be stopped between man's conscience and himself and between man's conscience and God. The angel's declaration of peace on earth connects Jesus' arrival with the messianic peace that was achieved through his death on the cross. Through Jesus, we are reconciled to God and we're reconciled to one another. The only way to experience the peace of God is to believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and by confessing Jesus is Lord. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is a direct result of faith in Christ Jesus. The people whom God favors are those who have found his undeserved grace through his son. Colossians 1, 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So when we contemplate this peace, this idea of peace at Christmas time, it, it has to be a full story. You can't just look at the birth of Christ, but you have to look also at the whole story of salvation, his death is the only way, peace for anyone. And without his death and without his resurrection, salvation is a mood idea. We have nothing to talk about without the death and the resurrection. However, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have a profound message of peace that we can proclaim. And if you're like me and you're like the Grinch, and just looking for some peace this Christmas season, remember that true peace can't be found at a store. It can only be found in doxology to the God who dwells with his people. It can only be found in the presence of the Holy Spirit whom he gives to his people who have repented of their sin, who have believed Jesus died and rose again, and who have confessed Jesus is Lord. Peace can only be found in the person and in the work of Jesus. That baby who was born of a virgin, whom the angels sang about, who was wrapped in claws and lying in a manger in a feeding trough, brought peace with God, but only if you trust him. So let me ask you this. Have you experienced the peace of Christ? And if you're here and you have, have you shared that peace with someone by telling them about Jesus this Christmas season? In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to sing a hymn. If you would like to learn more about this peace that you can have through faith in Christ, I would love to speak with you. I'll be waiting down front. I would love to speak with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gamble Street Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you have questions, we would love to speak with you. Please call 817-926-1785 to speak with a minister. If you live in or will be traveling to the Fort Worth area, we would love to have you visit. Gamble Street Baptist Church has six church goals to reach the lost for Christ, to learn more about Christ, to touch the city through Christ, train leaders to serve Christ, to embrace the world with Christ, and to build strong families in Christ. Please join us for our next episode.